we love it that you are here this morning, and we cannot say it enough. We believe it's no accident that God has brought you to this place. Whether this is your first time here and you heard about this brand new church, or you've been coming uh, for, for many years, we love it that you're here, and we love uh, new people at Hope. You know, I'm, I'm uh, watching our kids up here, and I'm thinking to myself, nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more important than pouring into the next generation with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so as much as I make these, these plugs for, for joining the KQ team, uh, that's an incredible, incredible opportunity to impact the next generation. Uh, they, they are so impressionable. They are so receptive. Uh, some of them are. Um, but um, kids in general have this wide-eyed look of awe when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the Christmas story, when it comes to Jesus coming to this earth. And I just hope that that never gets old for you. If you're like, well, it's another Christmas, I know the story, the kids will come up, it'll be cute and everything like that. Did you hear the story? You receive it in a brand new way. It's really all about Jesus. Our, our nearly two-year-old Caleb was waddling around our house this week and he's learning all these new words, like five or ten new words a day. It's just crazy. And he's uh, waddling around our house the other day and he's just kind of going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, and he loves cheese. So being the smart father that I am, right, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go get you. And, and as I start to walk to the kitchen, and, and I'm like, okay, buddy, I'll go get you some cheese. He just loves eating sliced cheese. That's kind of weird, but that's what we do. And I start walking to the kitchen, and he grabs my leg, and he says, no, 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 daddy, Jesus. Oh, right? Everybody go, oh, right? Jesus, right? But you can call him Jesus if you want, right? Cheese, Jesus, the two most important things this time of year. It's really all about him. It's really all about him. And in the midst of all the hustle and bustle of the season and the busyness, I pray that you don't miss that. There's a lot you can get busy with this time of year. There's a lot of social engagements you can go to. There's a lot of noise and busyness and clutter in our lives. Don't forget the baby, don't forget the baby. And that's why I love the, the KQ program every year because it's so simple. We kind of strip everything else away and it really is about him. And as much as we talk about teaching these kids, they teach us that it's really a simple message this time of year that the God of the universe sent his one and only son, sent his one and only son to live and die and rise again so that you and I could have eternal life. And that life starts right now here today. That's the invitation of Christmas. That's the invitation of the gospel. And I pray that you don't miss that. Because if you think about it, if you kind of step back from this whole story and you look behind the scenes, Jesus truly could have come to earth in a lot of different ways. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He could have come like a mighty storm. Jesus could have come to this earth with the, with the strength of a hurricane. He could have come like a, like a forest fire with, with power in the flame. But instead, Jesus chose to come like a, like a winter snow, quiet and soft and slow and unassuming. And of all the, the different ways that God could have chosen to enter our lives, we celebrate today that God who holds all things in the palm of his hand, choosing to be held by a teenage girl. 
and laid in a feeding trough. This is the kind of God that we have. And when you think about it, this story could not be more unconventional. Everybody say unconventional. It's kind of a big word. Unconventional, I love it. It's a word, I did some research this week, and it literally means something out of the ordinary, right? Another definition would have it. One of the dictionaries said, unconventional things are out of the ordinary in a way that attracts attention so as to bring about a response. They may have not noticed it at the time. I'm sure nobody in Bethlehem noticed it. But this was truly extraordinary. Extraordinary. There's nothing ordinary about it. There's nothing conventional about it. And that's because God's message to you this morning is this. God says, I take ordinary things, and really ordinary people, thank God, and I make them extraordinary. I take ordinary people and make them extraordinary. So before we rush into Christmas here in a few weeks and we celebrate the baby, and we, I think it's important that this morning we take a step back because that's why we put that question up on the screen. What part of the Christmas story are you the least familiar with? When you set up your little manger scene at home or in your front yard, which part of that are you least familiar with? And today we're going to take a closer look at Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, particularly Mary. And we're going to take a step back and discover what happens when an ordinary girl encounters an extraordinary God. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, we're going to open up to actually Luke chapter 1. We were in Matthew, but if you could open up to, to Luke, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. And again, if you need a Bible, uh, we've got some people in the back that would love to hand you a, a Bible if you need one. Uh, just kind of wave your hand or share with the person next to you. They can get you a Bible. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we pick up the story there. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so remember, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, and she's the mother of John the Baptist. We remember him. It says, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Right there, you could just stop the story right there and say, ooh, this is going to be at least PG-13. Think about it, right? It's a nice little Christmas story, right? To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Something's going to happen here. The virgin's name was Mary. Take a step way back. Not into the human story, but into God's upper story. Think about this. If you're the God of the universe, let's just pretend that for a second. You're not, by the way. Hate to burst your bubble. Let's say that you're the God of the universe, and for thousands of years, you have been planning this great invasion into the world, into enemy territory, a way to defeat evil and bring light into the darkness and to rescue your people and nothing is impossible, right? You're God. You can do anything you want. There's no strategy that's off limits. What would you do? How would you invade the dark, evil world and rescue your people? Okay, so think about that for a second. So imagine God comes to the angels one day and the angels are kind of hanging out there in the courtyards of heaven, you know, playing Scrabble or whatever they do to pass the time. And God comes to angels and says, okay, guys, you ready? I've got it. Here's the great big plan that we've been planning for thousands of years. I've been working. I've been scheming behind the scenes. Here's how I'm going to save the world. I, the God of the universe, I'm going to become a, an infant. And I'm going to be born helpless and weak and completely dependent on a 15-year-old girl. 
That's exactly probably what it sounded like. Crickets, right? Angels are like, let me clean out my ears. What? This is how you're going to save the world? What is God thinking? From God's view, he's got it under control. But what about Mary's view? So come down all the way from heaven, down to earth. And the first thing we learn about Mary is that the star character in this story right now could not be more ordinary. First of all, we read that Mary lives in Nazareth. And I don't know what you know about Nazareth, but all things considered, it's about as close to obscure in the middle of nowhere as you can come. Growing up, I grew up in Story City. Has anybody ever heard of Story City? We're really the center of the universe. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, And there's about 3,000 people in Story City. And so we're pretty big compared to this town that was just north of us called Randall. Has anybody heard of Randall, Iowa? Wow! You must know it for its pop machine. Because that's about the only thing it's got, right? You know these small towns in Iowa, you kind of, you, you say, oh, we're coming up on Randall, and everybody kind of looks out the window, and you're like, oh, you missed it, right? That was it, right? If you blink, you might miss it. That was Randall, and the pot machine was, uh, was the big tourist attraction there in town. Needless to say, Nazareth was a lot like Randall. Well, I mean, what could possibly happen in Nazareth? The second thing we know that sets up the odds against Mary is that not only is she a woman, which in those days was very low on the societal ladder, about as low as you can get, she's young. She's probably 14, 15, 16-year-old. She's a kid. And in those days, we didn't bring the kids up front and applaud them and say, wow, they're so cute. We said, stay in your room and don't talk unless you're talked to. You have no, no power and no prominence whatsoever. A 15-year-old girl. On the surface, you put all those things together, and Mary is the least likely person in the least likely place, in the least likely circumstances for God to do anything of importance, let alone change the world through her. And I have to believe that Mary, on several occasions, have to have this thought in her head, well, I guess this is just the way things are. Mary could have said, well, I'm engaged now which in those days is security. She says, I guess I'll just live here in Nazareth in this tiny little insignificant town my whole life. I'll work the fields. Uh, I'll try to provide Joseph some kids and nothing could ever happen to change that. I'm going to go and I'm going to pick the grain and I'll go to the well and I'll get some water. That's my routine. My life is ordinary. That's just the way things are. And I wonder if you and I don't think the same thing sometimes. Whatever your circumstances are in life right now, does it just seem ordinary sometimes? Do you ever catch yourself thinking, things are never going to change. Whatever my circumstances are, this is just the way things are. I guess I have this life. I'm going to survive another week at my work. I think I'm always going to be searching for love. I'm just going to try to keep the kids under control. I guess I'm just going to, with this God, this church, this Jesus thing is all about, I'm just going to try to be a better Christian. And maybe even we wonder, I guess this this is all there is to knowing God. In my current relationship, in my current experience with God, this is it. Maybe this is just the way things are, and there could not be a more dangerous thought this time of year, because the baby changes everything. Instead, what if God is saying to you, 
to you personally today. If I can show up in Nazareth to a teenage girl, of all people, what part of your life is too mundane or too inaccessible for me to break into, God says? Do you really think that God can't drastically change the course of your life this morning? For Mary, everything was about to change. Look back at Luke 1, and let's go to verse 28. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Let's read verse 30 together up on the screen. This is what the angel said to her. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that when God looks down on you this morning that he has favor for you? That he is delighted with you? Or do you just think, I'm just a face in the crowd? God looks at you this morning and says, you, my son, my daughter, you who are highly favored. I delight in you and I love you and I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. That's the deeper side of that verse. The, the more humorous side to me is how it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. If you've ever looked at anybody who encounters an angel in the Bible, what does the angel normally say? Do not be afraid, right? I'm not going to kill you, right? Angels are not cabbage patch dolls, okay? There are stories in the Bible of one angel taking out an army of 10,000 trained soldiers by themselves, And this angel appears to a small, little, tiny, petite teenage girl. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled. I think a better translation would be, and Mary freaked out. (laughs) And she fell down. And she said, oh my word. That would be the John International Version, I think. Something like that, right? (laughs) This is anything but ordinary for Mary. But whenever God breaks into our lives, write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to remember this today. Not just for Mary, but for you. Whenever God breaks into our lives, it's for the purpose of calling us from ordinary into his story. God calls us out of the ordinary, mundane things of our lives and says, I want to repurpose your life and give you a new lens to look at your life through into my story. Because God had a calling for Mary's life that was far bigger than she could have imagined. She thought she was living in this nice little small world where everything was controlled and everything was great, but God says, no, I have something much bigger for you. And the same could be true for another very famous character this time of year, and his name's Buddy. You may know him as Buddy the Elf. Now, you understand, (laughs) Buddy thought he was created for the North Pole, right? He got put in the wrong sack and Santa brought him home. He is a human living at the North Pole, living in an elf's world. He doesn't fit, but he doesn't realize that he was created for a much higher calling. But as you and I know, life really starts to get exciting when Buddy takes a trip into this new world, into the great new unknown land called New York City, and he discovers all these new things about human life. Watch what happens when you start jumping out of the ordinary and start living life in a brand new kind of way. Let's check out Buddy the Elf. 
Just had to throw that one in there for fun. Have you seen these toilets? They're ginormous, right? I don't know why, but watching that never gets old. But a few years, that escalator thing, I actually tried that in public with my wife, and she just loved it, you can tell. Um, I really did. It was awesome. So Buddy thinks that he's really living, but then he goes from ordinary into this larger story, and the same invitation is available to all of us. God has a calling that he's placed on your life as well. Buddy's was not to be an elf. He thought it was. Something much more. And I know when you hear that, when you hear the word calling, I think a lot of you probably think, oh, aren't callings just for really important people like pastors or missionaries or doctors or people that are going to be great leaders or do great things? I don't really have a calling. That's not really me. You might be sitting there this morning saying, I'm, I'm just trying to pay the bills and keep that pile of laundry from getting too high. I would imagine that that's probably what Mary thought as well. And I have a feeling that if Mary was here today, she would just kind of step down and she would look you in the eyes and she would say, oh, you have seriously underestimated this God. Whatever you think he can't do in your life, (laughs) Mary would say, hello, look at me. What do you think is so impossible that he can't do? And more importantly, what do you think is so impossible that he can't do through you? Think of all the major characters in the Bible. Just going to take a jet through, a jet tour through really quick. All those people that God chose to use, I can't think of any that were pre-qualified, had already arrived, or would be the usual suspects. Think about this for a second. Abraham was an old, tired, gray-haired man ready to kick it into retirement. Moses was a murderer with anger issues and not one ounce of speaking ability. David struggled with sexual sin. Noah had a drinking problem. Peter had a big mouth. Maybe you can relate to some of those. That's the story of the Bible, and I could go on and on and on. So tell me again why you can't be used by God. Remind me of that again. Is this just a nice, inspirational story, this whole God coming to Mary and the angel appearing to Mary? Or might it just be God coming to you this morning, and you know when you really want to get somebody's attention, you come up to them and you grab them by the shoulders like this? What if God was coming up to you this morning looking you right in the eyes and and, and grabbing you in the shoulders and looks you right in the eyes and say, never doubt what I can do through you. Never doubt what I can do through you. And some of you are thinking, I'm ordinary. I'm broken. I'm unworthy. My life is way too busy. My life is way too messed up. Well, good news for you this morning. God says, I am in the business of taking ordinary, broken, unworthy, messy lives and using them for my glory. And folks, let me tell you, God says, business is good. Amen? Amen. Business is really good. And so maybe it's time to let God redefine what your calling might be. What if God is calling you to be that friend that everybody else loves to be around that whenever anybody is around you, it just feels like a, a breath of life was breathed into them. 
What if you believe that your calling as a mother or father, that raising a family was a high and noble calling and it gives you the opportunity to raise the next generation of men and women of God, that being a godly parent is anything but ordinary. And what if, instead of coasting into retirement, you believe that however many years that you have left were going to be the most impactful years of your life for making a difference in the kingdom? Because moving from success to significance is anything but ordinary. And I want to ask you a question this morning. At what point did you start letting all the other voices around you define what was significant instead of the one who created you? a lot of other voices. And for some people, their callings are going to take them to to high-profile positions or some professional ministry or maybe to be famous. But in the kingdom of God, more often than not, the truly great things happen behind the scenes when nobody else is looking and you don't think, oh, does it really matter? It matters because God is watching and he sees you. The truly great things in the kingdom of God happen behind the scenes. Ask Mary and Joseph wasn't in the headline news the next morning. I bet nobody in Bethlehem even noticed what happened in a feeding trough on the outskirts of town. You think your life is anything but ordinary, God says. Oh no. It's extraordinary. When you start living it in light of my story, God says, step into it. And finally, for some of you, you think the biggest hurdle in your life to being a part and being used by God isn't the ordinary stuff. You think it's your past. You think it's the mistakes that you've made. You think it's your former life. It's all the the person that you used to be. If, If you've ever doubted that something old can't be made new, folks, look around. Look up and look around. Those of you right in this area, there was a car that got its oil changed right there. A beautiful mezzanine that we're going to use for meals and building community up there in a few weeks. Wasted space that was just used for storage. Those of you that are sitting over here, there's a drain and I hope you don't fall into it. Um, (laughs) If you look straight back where our beautiful kitchen is, That was a smelly locker room for mechanics. Those of you that have used our restroom facilities back there, that was a paint bay for your car. Where your children and our children are experiencing the love of Jesus Christ on the other side of that wall was a bunch of dusty, small car dealership offices. And that front part of the building wasn't there. And you're telling me that something ordinary, something old, something unusable can't be made new. Every time you walk into this building, I hope it is a crystal clear message that this building is the story of our church. And I'm not talking about a building, it's the story of us. It's the story of you, because I could say look around, or I could say look around this morning at the people sitting next to you. The old can be made new. You are living proof that we have an unconventional God. Unconventional things out of the ordinary in a way that attracts attention.
so as to bring about a response. That's the definition of unconventional. What will your response be today? Maybe it's time to just receive God's love for the very first time, to let it all the way in. Maybe it's time to take that next step of faith and say, as a couple or as an individual or with some of my friends or as a family, we're going to take the core class together. We're going to do it and we're going to start the year off right. It's time to take that next step. Maybe it's time to stop consuming and join one of our many teams here at Hope and start serving. Whatever it is, the response is, we don't just do nothing. Everybody does something. It's your time. It's your time to be used by God. And that was the message from Herb Brooks to a bunch of ordinary college boys. Can you believe over 30 years ago now in Lake Placid, New York, as they made up the U.S. men's hockey team? And I do not need to remind you what happens when a group of ordinary people believe deep down inside of who they are that they were made for something way more and way bigger than ordinary. Let's take a look. You want to watch the rest of the movie, don't you? (laughs) Ordinary to extraordinary. That was Buddy the Elf's story. That's their story. That's Mary's story. Let that be your story. It's your time. It's your time. It's our time to be the church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray together. So God, as your people here this morning... We stand in response to this incredible message, to this incredible story. God, if there's anybody here that just came thinking that they were going to sit through a nice, simple worship service and just scoot out of here without you impacting their life, God, we know that you have much bigger things in store. God, we are anything but ordinary Our life is anything but ordinary and you call us to do great things. Would you redefine for us what significance is in our lives? And would you help us to do the small things with gospel intentionality? Would you help us to receive your message, to respond in obedience just as Mary did that day as the angel visited her? God, we don't want to just be ready for the holidays. We want to be ready for a savior to come and invade our hearts, to not only be our Savior, but to be our Lord. And God, with that love that you have poured into our hearts, would that overflow to the point where we can't help but love, where we can't help but invite others, where we can't help but serve and be a part of what you're doing in this church. God, we love you. And we hear you whisper to us this morning, it's your time. It's your time. Go and be the church. And all God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Go be the church. Have a great week.